The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, best-selling author Lisa Bevere challenges you to be adamant about love and truth as she shares a personal experience while in Iraq. These people were living, 14 of them, in the back of a semi-trailer. And I knew that ISIS had killed all the husbands, all the fathers were dead, and I said, tell me about this little girl. And they said, oh, she lost an eye to a cancer tumor last year. And I said, you bring that baby girl over to me right now. We're here with family. So many of our friends just, they love you. Uh, the viewers, they care about you. And I'm, I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to life today. I, I really want you to hear this now. We really are family. And uh, I say this to you sometimes, but I say it when you're not listening a lot. I think the viewers of life today are among the most special people on this planet. And I think the most sensitive to the heart of God and the will of God and the most sensitive to others. Aren't you amazed, Betty, at how our viewers say, show me someone I can mm -hmm. touch with love. Show me someone I can help. Show That's me right. someone I, I can you. support. Always ready to help, to bring hope to those that have no hope. And and I, that's it, what blesses me. It is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you just, the, the notes that come, the gifts that come, sometimes I think, God, why would someone do that? Why would they make what has to be a sacrificial gift because there's not just a lot of like rich people out here. By the way, there are wealthy people who help us. And, and don't think bad of people who have something, especially when they let God direct it. Isn't that what we all want to do, whether it's the widow's might or Solomon's wealth? Wouldn't it be wonderful if God just directed it all? I think that's what you want. we got someone with us that really wants that. Lisa Bevere, I believe, is not only gifted by God. I think she's a gift from God. And she and her husband, John, are two of our favorite people on the planet. They're truly family to us. She's written a new book, Adamant. And you need to hear about this. We're going to talk about something that basically I think the Lord just kind of led her on, but it's a treasure. So let's get into it. Welcome Lisa Bevere back to Life Today. Thank you. And is John well? He's, he's doing great. He's always well. <laughs> Tell us about this because I think it's fascinating. So the whole concept of adamant is long before it was known as an adjective or an adverb because we know adamant as stubborn and unyielding and somebody that will be unmoved in opinion or view. But before it was ever an adjective or an adverb, it was a noun and it was actually a dream. Greek philosophers and scientists, they thought about this idea of a stone that would be impervious to heat, that they could put it in the fire and then pick it up and it would still be cold, that it would actually be able to gather light, redirect it, that it would be magnetic where it could draw things but not ever be drawn. And they said this stone would be a mineral that would be make us invincible. We'd make weapons out of it. We could make shields out of it. Arrows, no matter how slender, would be able to pierce any target. And they called it Adamus. And they, it was just the most random thing. It was just this idea, kind of like the Philosopher's Stone, but this was adamant. It was this invincible stone. And as time traveled, it came from Adamus to adamant, and it, it was never found. When they found diamonds, though, they said, well, maybe a diamond 
isn't adamant because diamonds were woven so tightly that any other inferior stone would fracture on it. But then they discovered that in the 1700s that when diamonds were put into a vacuum and you given enough light, they'd vaporize. So they're like, okay, diamonds can't be adamants. So this changed to this word of stubborn and unyielding. But this is what I began to look at. When I began to study what an adamant was, I realized that the Greek philosophers and you know, scientists, they were looking for something that was always there. They were looking for the cornerstone. They were looking for this indestructible stone, this stone that cannot be hewn by hand, human hands. And when I read about Daniel, when it talked about this stone that hits this giant statue, these kingdoms made of gold and bronze and clay, and then this stone grows into a mountain and that it fills the entire earth, I realized that Jesus, the cornerstone, is our adamant. He is the indestructible stone. And we live in a time right now where they believe that truth is a river, that it ebbs and flows according to current culture and our feelings or emotions about something. But truth is not a river, it is a rock. And we live in a day and a time where up is called down and right is called wrong. And we need to actually remember that we were hewn from a stone. This is what Isaiah 51 says. It says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Mm -hmm. We were carved out of a living stone. We also see the ever-present Christ when he was following the children of Israel as the rock who followed them through the wilderness. And when you look at that word in the Hebrew, it means an unassailable and unaccessible refuge. And if there was ever a time period where we needed a refuge such as this, and that refuge isn't just a true Thing, like what's true for you. It is a truth. Mm -hmm. And that truth is Jesus. And it's, so it's unshakable, isn't it? He's unshakable. He's invincible. And so I started to go through this whole journey about what does it mean? And I realized that God is adamant in love for us, that God, his love for us is invincible. It is completely impervious to my awful. It doesn't matter how much I reject myself or loathe myself. God is like, I'm sorry, my love for you is invincible. That's right. And it's not just that God has love for me. He is love for me. He is steadfast love. God is also adamant that we love one another. He is adamant that we love as he has loved us. Isn't it amazing how fiercely the enemy fights that reality? Yeah. Because that reality produces something that's unshakable because it's built on something unshakable. Is there any any connection to building your house upon the rock? Absolutely. That withstands any storm? Absolutely. Is that this rock we're talking about? Yes, and, it, and it's, it's a living, this is the whole thing, and this is so beautiful. Do you know that back in the day, cornerstones were set by the stars? They would have to set them so perfectly because the cornerstone is the seed of the building. And if the cornerstone is off, then the entire building is off. And so we have right now a culture and a, a climate that is saying, oh, no, no, there's nothing unshakable. There's nothing unmovable. Everything is sub subject to change. There's nothing sacred anymore. Everything can just, it, it can be degraded or can be unmade. And so I find that we have a generation that is actually really looking for truth. And so the subtitle of the book is Finding Truth in a Universe of Opinions, because now we have elevated opinions above truth. And we have people that are like, well, this is my truth. Well, then that's actually not a truth, because if it's not true of all, then it's not truth. And we have a generation that doesn't understand that love without truth is a lie. And we've, and we've decided we can make truth whatever our, we want it to exactly. be. And that doesn't make it truth. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so God is that indestructible in the sense that he is going to go after us. 
he is going to have his way. He's going to have his say. And, you know, a lot of times you hear a hashtag love wins. Well, it's actually hashtag love won. It was already done. It was done a really long time ago, and it That's was great. done independent of us. And so I, I think we need to have this stability. And so I just decided to, to write on this, and it was, it was an incredible journey for me. It really was a, a deepening thing for, to see that what is solid. What, what are we really building on? And um, God is not just adamant in love, but he's actually adamantly intimate. And um, in, the, in the book, I share a story. You know, when I, when I found out I was pregnant with my fourth child, I, everybody assumed I was going to have a girl. And I remember in a time of prayer, I said, God, I think it's a big mistake to give me a daughter because I will mess her up. I mean, <laughs> I cannot do girl. I can do, I can do boy. <laughs> I cannot do girl. And so God, I really think another son, I know I'm being son greedy here, but I think it would be a good idea. And so, but I was afraid because I had not connected well with my mom and my mom hurt me because her mother hurt her. And I thought this is going to be one more level of this pattern. And so I remember I was praying and I was like, God, please. And you know, when you get in that time of prayer, where all of a sudden you're just in his presence and he'll show you something. And so what I saw in that moment was I saw this beautiful field of flowers and I thought, I need to run. I need to run through this field. I began to run and I saw in the distance a tower and the tower was wrapped with arrow slits. So they were like those windows that went all around. And I thought, I need to climb that tower. <laughs> and I climbed the tower. And when I got to the top of the tower, there was a treasure chest. And I remember thinking to myself, this is either gonna have weapons or it's gonna have treasure. And I went to open it. And when I opened it up, it wasn't weapons and it wasn't treasures. It was photos of me when I was a little girl. And all of the photos had been lost in a flood when my, my parents' basement flooded as a little girl. And I began to pick up these photos one by one. And I saw me as a toothless girl, you know, smiling. I saw my dad and my mom happy together. And as I was holding one of the photos, I heard, I heard a voice behind me say, I always thought you were funny. And I was like, oh. I turned and I've had such an overwhelming sense of the presence of God. And the fact that he would pick that sentence was so amazing because I was called a smart aleck all the time growing up. My parents had so much tension in the house and I would come home from school and I would try to dismantle it with humor. And they would, you know, they would not understand. They were living a nightmare. And so they would say all these horrible things. And it was like Jesus knew, I know exactly how to open up your heart and bring healing to that. And I'm going to tell you that I thought you were funny. And it was just this beautiful moment. So God is invincible when it comes to intimacy. He will look at things. And we have a generation that is so broken and so longing for intimacy that they're trying to change everything to try to find wholeness. And God will actually come into our lives and hover in the Holy Spirit and begin to call forth things that separate light from darkness so that he can speak life to us. You know, um, when the Holy Spirit hovered in the book of Genesis, when you look at the rabbinical text on that, it says to approach gently with cherishing motions. God saw the world in deep darkness and he didn't turn in despair or disgust. He said he hovered. He hovered like a mother, it says, like over her babies. It is tender, gentle, moving. It says like a dove just like he did with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God is again hovering over a generation and saying, I'm going to speak truth to the more broken, intimate places of your life so that you can have a foundation that is adamant.
I think there are things where people are, are maybe so deeply bruised or hurt or you feel so overlooked and so unimportant. And the enemy is always telling us that we're unqualified. Absolutely. And that's why we have to point to the one who is adamant. He is totally qualified. He's unshakable. He's steadfast. His love is never wavering. It's uh, boundless. It's uh, never ending. It's eternal, everlasting. And I just want you to know that you are you are a chosen person as well as a chosen part of a chosen generation. And uh, you're part of a royal priesthood. I mean, you're witnesses of his glory. And please see that. And somebody say, well, you know, I'm, I'm older. I don't, I don't get out much. But you pray and you move me and you move missionaries and you move people. And you know, sometimes your prayers release resources of heaven where somebody be touched and say, I'm going to help. I'm just going to help. I mean, I hear God moving on people to say, I'm going to do that. You know what? We're going to ask you to set some people free in a little while. And Lisa's been right in the midst of suffering. And she sees what love does. And she says, let's rescue. And you know what you say? We'll do it. We'll help get those girls out of a traffic situation. See, that's the love of God. We're going to do that. And I feel like, Lisa, that God has anointed you to download truth that just, it, it, it just resonates with life. Thank and you. I want you to know I saw that. I mean, it's just, a, uh, it's just so incredible the way God uses you and John. And y'all are, you know, y'all are too, but for the grace and glory and, and majesty of God, you two powerful forces, you couldn't live in the same house, <laughs> much less be a couple. We like passion. <laughs> you, 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 but you see, it's yeah, beautiful. I, I watch it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I see it. Yep. And it's so beautiful. You, you had an experience with a girl in Iraq. Yes. Now, tell us about that. So I do have a danger gene. Um, and I was, I was here in Dallas. I was doing a propel event. And my husband said, now, wait, you're not speaking in Dubai for another five days. And I said, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Iraq first. He was like, you are not going to Iraq. And I said, look at me. I look like them. I can totally go to Iraq. <laughs> Betty can't go to Iraq, but I can go to Iraq. And so I went to Iraq, and I wanted to see what this organization was doing that was there. And, um, you know, I pretty much found out really quick that I was just an observer. I couldn't speak Arabic. I couldn't speak Kurdish. I couldn't speak uh, Yazidi. And uh, everywhere we went, the children would come running out to meet these people, uh, Jer Jeremy and Jessica Courtney of Preemptive Love. But the last place I visited, there was one little girl hanging back. And I couldn't help but notice that all the children were together except for her. And so, you know, I'd, these people were living, 14 of them in the back of a semi-trailer. And I knew that ISIS had killed all the husbands, all the fathers were dead. And I said, tell me about this little girl. And they said, oh, she lost an eye to a cancer tumor last year. <clears throat> and I said, you bring that baby girl over to me right now. And I put her in my lap, and her name is Sarah. And I said, Sarah, I lost my right eye. She had lost her left eye. I said, I lost my right eye to the same cancer tumor you lost your eye to at the same age. And she had a huge prosthetic eye. They could only get an adult's eye, so her eye would not close. She could not close her eye. I can't even imagine the amount of pain because just knowing what that feels like for me. And um, I tried to close it. It wouldn't close. I let her touch my eye. She realized, and I said, you can dream. You can, you can be loved. You can have a family. And I showed her all the pictures of my family. And I laid in bed that night in Iraq, and I, I couldn't stop thinking about her. And I knew I couldn't bring back her dad but I knew I could get back to the United States and I could get her an eye. And so I came back to my oculist in Colorado Springs, Dr. Dr. Mayo is an amazing man, and he said, 
well, I've worked with Yazidis before. I happen to just know the nuances of their eye colors. And so he gave me five artificial eyes and I gave it to the preemptive love people. And we have before and we have after pictures of Sarah. And the first picture, she's terrified. She's like, there's a crazy American holding me on her lap, making me touch her fake eye. I don't know what I think about this. And in the second picture, she's just incredibly confident. And then we sent Lizzie the Lioness, which you guys were amazing and helpful promote. We sent it to her over there and um, it just won an Illuminate Award, Lizzie Linus did. And then now we have partnered and we have gotten her and the other moms and all the girls moved into an area where they're all going to school. And I totally... <laughs> but can I say something? I learned all those kind of things from life today. And you guys have always modeled that the one matters. Because if we don't love the one well, then you can't love the whole well. And God is always about loving the one. He is constant. He is intimate. He is invincible in love. And I think it's just amazing that I went over there for one little girl who had lost her eye and lost her father <laughs> and lost her home. That's and awesome. now they said she is the most talkative <laughs> and outgoing of all of the girls. Get us awesome. a Lisa over there in <laughs> that whole area. <laughs> let, let me let you look at something. You know, women are such a, you're the most beautiful thing God ever made. And don't you ever let the enemy tell you otherwise. And don't start comparing yourself to what others call beauty. Because there's a depth and a quality of, of sensitivity and compassion in you that is a strength to all of us. All of us as men, you may think are strong, would be so weak without you. I, I, I feel like I can't even walk without Betty. I mean, she's far more than the wind beneath my wings. She's, she's just unbelievable. And Lisa's such an inspiration. I know you've been inspired. And Lisa, we're going to show one of your really good friends that's such a gift, Sheila Walsh, with a girl like we've seen you with, because Lisa's been to the mission field many times and gone in the very places where Betty and I have marched into hell for a heavenly cause. She has too, John has with us. My friend, we thought we were gonna die when John was there. And he kept saying, I'm not gonna die because God's not gonna let James die. So I'm gonna be all right. I'm just laughing at John because I'm not knowing about all this and the missionaries are not knowing. But here's the thing, you can give somebody a life that has no life. Isn't that what Jesus came to do? Isn't that what he's done for us? Let's join with him and do it for someone else. Watch. I just wanted to explain why um, with this particular little girl that we're not showing her face. She's 11 years old. And so we want to do everything we can to, to protect her. So when you were just nine years old, something terrible happened to you one night. Why don't you tell us about that? I'm horrified by her story and the tragedy is she's not the only one. 
there are so many girls. And here's what I think. If we don't defend her, if we don't say no to those vicious predators, and they, trust me, they are very well organized and they are very well funded. So we've got to get organized. We've got to get funded. It's time to let our righteous anger rise to the surface. There's some things that we can say, well, that's not good, but this is evil. This is absolutely evil from the pit of hell. And we cannot abandon these beautiful children who are longing to know that there's at least one person on this planet Planet who cares for them. I want her to know it's you and it's me and we're going to fight for them in Jesus' name. What's going on in your heart as you watch that? As I watch that, I think, oh, nine-year-old, she's just a child. She was just trying to do something to help her family survive. They work for food for them. And then she was taken away. And I, I think about she, she just was put in a prison that she didn't want to be in. And she, but what? She was able to escape. She was lucky. She was one of the lucky ones, so to speak. But there's so many more of them. They're looking for a way out. But you know, I think many of them are probably giving up and saying, there's no way out. This is my life. This is all that I have. I want them to know there's a way out. Because of the love of Jesus and the people that love God and offer hope, we can show them the way out. And see, we've actually been able to help her now because what we do is, is we reach and rescue and restore. So she's in the restoration process. That's how you got to hear the story. But she's not left there. And you know why? Because of someone like you. Said, I'll take care of her. You know what it takes to, to reach and to rescue and to restore for a year? One of these who are trapped that we either head off or find them like that or get them out. It's $128 a year and it works. And because some viewers like you said, I so believe in this, I'll match what others give. And this is our last week. But here's the thing, $128 rescues one. No, now it's two. Because someone in love said, I'll match your love. I'll do it. I always say, could you help 10? Is there any way you can give $1,280? But if you say yes, and I will, well, you just rescued 20. Lisa, that had to take you back because you went into so many of those places and you did just a, an amazing job of communicating. And I know our viewers wonder, okay, Lisa, you went over there on a mission. Tell us the truth. Does the love really do what James and Betty say it does? Does it really work? Do they really rescue them? They not only rescue them, they restore them, and they raise them up to be leaders for the next generation to stop the cycle. We were just in Southeast Asia, and I met many of the young girls that had come through Life Today's programs, and they were there in the meetings, now studying to be Bible college students. I mean, it was That's amazing. Awesome. Yes, so it it's gone from awesome. that to just now they're proclaimers and setting captives free. So this is where it all starts, though. See, somebody had to say, I'm going to help them. And then somebody has to say, I'm going to help you help them. Because the bottom line in the gospel being preached is how shall they even go and preach unless they're sinned? You haven't realized this. See, we've just said goodbye to a wonderful friend, Billy Graham. But he would have been the first to say, you're the ones that sent me with the gospel around the world. I just proclaimed it, but you sent me. Would you right now go online, please? 
Or would you dial that number and take your bank card and make the greatest left gift you can right now? If it's $128 or you say, I can't do that, James, a 64 will be doubling and we got another one. There's a level at which you can help. And if you can do 128 or 1280, do it. And it'll be by the love of God through others immediately matched and doubled. We have some gifts to send you just to say, we want to bless you in your journey. But you're giving to give life, not to get a gift. We give gifts because we love to give. God does. It's in our heart. And we want to bless you as you bless others. Would you right now go online? Dial the number, take that my card. Use it like a check. Make it a great one. Would you do that? This is the last week. I'm believing you will. Innocent children and young people longing to be loved and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators. Their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to warn children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved. And you can help restore young lives and give them a future. And now, a generous opportunity of a $320,000 matching gift means your gift of $128 to help rescue a child will be matched to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking. And a $32 rescue gift will be doubled to $64. With your gift, we'll send you the Age of Promise. Randy Robison reveals 10 promises woven through all of Scripture that will transform the way you view God, yourself, and others. With your gift of $128 or more, you'll receive the Prayer is Powerful wood plaque. This unique Scripture art piece is printed on premium birchwood, a beautiful reminder of the power of prayer. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children and you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online. You, you know, we're gonna be sending you, as we say thanks, the age of promise. And in the last part of uh, Randy's book, Our Son, he talks about the, the shadows that reveal Christ in the Old Testament and how he fulfilled them. And one of the things we do as priests, because we are priests and kings, is we restore the fallen. Mm. And it's, it's a powerful privilege and responsibility and joy to be able to do it. And that's what we're doing right now. So we want to say thank you for doing it. And Lisa, we want to say thank you for being here. And I tell you what, if you want her book, it's in the bookstores. But I know she'd tell you, you know, if you want to help us right now and you do, say, could you send me Lisa's book too? Yes, we will. Just say thank you. Would you say thanks to Lisa for sharing with us? Thanks for writing another great book. You and John just keep on lifting up Jesus, and we'll be lifting you up. Thank you for watching. Thank you so much for helping others. You are really a blessing.
Uncovering the glorious riches of our heritage of faith and the mysteries now revealed in Jesus that will deepen your relationship with the Father. Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.